Hey guys, welcome back once again to my Word from God podcast. This is Pastor Mark Page. It's time for a word, a word from God. This message, not a settler, really was something I think God just laid on my heart for specifically young people, but really any age is applicable to. So today, let's uh, let's tie up our bootstraps. Let's dive into God's word. Um, if you're with me today, if you'll take your Bibles and turn to 1 John chapter 2, um, we're going to read a good passage of Scripture here, a pretty long passage. So before we dive into that, I want to say this. Sometimes, especially younger people, tend, and if, if you don't do this, great, but to check out, to completely check out when it's time to actually read. Here's the thing. I am just a man, but this is God's word. I hear people say, if God would write a letter to me and tell me what to do, uh, then I would do it. Guys, he has. It's right here in black and white. And so let's take our Bibles, go to 1 John chapter 2, and I'm going to read a good chunk of this. And then we're going to talk about um, this theme of not settling for less. Verse 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And for the rest of this sermon, the rest of this message today, uh, my encouragement is when we think of the word sin, we know that sin is missing the mark. Sin is not meeting the standard. And so if that's what sin is, then in, in a way, sin is settling for less than what God has for me. And that's really the main theme of this whole message is that God's church, when we're walking in purity, is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we think we can do, above what the world says we can do, and above really what we even believe about ourselves that we can do. So when you think of sin in this passage, I want you to think of not settling. I want to think of pushing and striving for more. So I've written these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. And I love this word, propitiation. We're not going to stay here for a long time today, but just think of propitiation as lifting the wrath. So when you hear he is the propitiation, what I hear is he's the wrath lifter. He took the wrath off of me and he bore it on his own body, on his own back on the cross. And the hope that I have in him today is because he took the wrath that I deserved because of my sin and he took it on himself and paid for it at the cross. So he's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours also, but also for the whole world. Verse three, now we know this and by this we know uh, him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word truly, the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have had from the beginning. You have heard it from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I do write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. 
If you're reading 1 John this week, or if you've ever read it, you know that the theme of 1 John is the love um, of God from, from believer to believer and from believer to the lost. It's love all the way through it. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Focus in right here, young people. Seniors, new graduates, young people, students, middle-aged people, seasoned veterans. <laughs> I like saying seasoned people. There's something about the, 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 I'm sorry. That's enough. Okay, I write to you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children because you have known the Father. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. And he repeats this, and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone is in love with the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away. It's dying and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Y'all with me? Stay with me right here. This is good stuff. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you, and I want to speak this into your life. This is straight out of God's word. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, that means because of all that, this is true. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. And there's a lot of deceivers out there. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, your son, I just pray over Mission City Church right now that God, anyone in the congregation, anyone in the backyards or the living rooms or the kitchens or wherever this message should go, God, that anyone in any place that hears this message would know that you have a specific individual love, plan, and anointing for them. And God, I pray over all the high school seniors or college seniors that are graduating, that are stepping into a new season of life. And God, in this moment, I pray that your spirit would fill them up to overflowing and give them peace 
and, and let them know today this, Jesus, very specifically. Satan doesn't want them to know this, but you do, that they have the ability to do more than settle for what those who've gone before them have settled for, to settle for what our culture says. And so, Jesus, teach me to share with them what you would have for them. And Jesus, we pray all this in your holy name. Amen. Now, as I was writing this sermon, I was thinking about what to share with you. The enemy started to whisper to me, as he sometimes tries to do whenever God's trying to speak. And he said, why would you share this with them? This is not going to solve all their problems. And, I, and it discouraged me for a second. I was like, well, I mean, I've got problems. I'm not here to solve everybody's problems. I mean, I do want the, you know, this to help with people's problems. But then I realized something. God spoke to me and said, whoa, 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 whoa. Your mission and your goal, and this is true for you too, is not to solve all of anyone's problems is simply to introduce them to Jesus. And Jesus is the problem-solving God that we worship, that we praise. And so, today I want to talk for just a minute about settling. Again, not a settler. I was thinking about America. I was thinking about the pilgrims. And the pilgrims struck me as I was preparing this message for you because I thought about what they did. The pilgrims left a culture that had become religious and murderous to come to a place to find freedom. Now, this is cool. You are a pilgrim in some ways, and this is the definition of a pilgrim. I looked this up. I took a long time to to type it into my Google search bar and check this out for y'all. So pilgrim is this. A pilgrim is a traveler from afar on a journey to a holy place. That is what we are, guys. We are travelers The Bible says that we're aliens, that we have a home that is not here. It's in a better heavenly country. So know this today. You are a pilgrim. You're a traveler on a journey. And the problem is sometimes I think this is so true for me, that we have become settlers. A settler is a person who moves to a new place with the intention to stay. Sometimes we as God's pilgrims, as aliens, have become settlers on a land that God never wanted for us to settle. And that might be the American dream for somebody today. That might be money for somebody today. That might just be lust or or pride or anger. Whatever the thing, it might not even be that bad. It might be just that you love your family more than you love Jesus. And we're settling on a piece of dirt, an earthly piece of whatever it is, property, that God never called us to settle on. And he wants us to do more. So, a pilgrim is a traveler from afar on a journey to a holy place. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's where I'm headed. That's where we're headed is in Christ. So, but a settler then is a person who moves to a new place with the intention to stay. I would encourage this today before I give you just a few thoughts on this text. Don't be willing in your life, specifically young people, specifically seniors. Gospel power is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Do not be willing to settle for something less than all of the powerful truth of God's word and all that God says about you and for you and that he has in store for you. Don't settle for anything else. Don't settle for money. Don't settle for illicit sexual relationships. I want to be very honest with you guys today. Don't settle. Don't miss the mark on that one. Push for Christ. We're not going to be perfect until heaven, but we can choose today that God has more for me than some of the old old junk I've walked in. Now, If you're taking notes today, I would write this. I will not settle 
dot, dot, dot. I'm going to give you six things from this text that I think God would say don't settle for. Number one, I will not settle for disobedience. It says, by this we know him that we keep his commandments. He who says he knows him but doesn't keep his commandments is not in him. And here's the thing. God has called us to walk in obedience to his commands. And I think that the church has been infiltrated so strongly by, by Satan's lie and even our American culture that we've become okay with living in a life of disobedience when Christ has something more for us. And here's the thing. Disobedience may not look bad to the rest of the world because it's not as disobedient as the rest of the world. But here's what it does to you. Disobedience stops you in your spiritual tracks and does not allow you to continue with the mission to the fullest that God has for you. And here's what Jesus said. Go ye therefore make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them, it's important, to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, the promise. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I will not settle for a life of disobedience. Now, I may disobey and I may fall, but I'm not going to be okay with it. I'm not going to settle there. I'm not going to settle in in the ashes of my defeat. I'm instead going to stand up when I fall and walk back to the cross and walk back with the cross to the next person I got to reach. And here's the thing. Jesus took my shame and he abolished it. So I'm not going to live in disobedience, but I'm also not going to live in the shame of my past disobedience either. I've got freedom in Christ. Number two, I will not settle for defeat. Number two, for defeat. I believe today that we have victory over Satan, but a lot of people don't even realize the reason they're struggling so hard is because they don't know how to claim that. Because Ephesians 6 says that we're not wrestling against each other. We're not, even in the world today, the rioting and the hate and the anger and even the racism, we're fighting all of these things. The fear This is not a fleshly battle. Racism, that starts in the heart. And so here we want to say this. You don't have to settle for a life of defeat. Because Jesus promised us this in 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome the spirits, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Satan wants you to believe that you're a settler. If you can just settle and keep the peace in every, you know, in every, every direction and every angle, you'll be okay. Just, just make sure nobody gets mad at me and that I don't say something that upsets anyone. Hell, let me tell you something. The only place in the world you're ever going to go that you're going to be able to not upset anyone is your room by yourself. Because here's the deal. The gospel brings a sword. It does bring peace and it brings hope and healing and, and it brings life to the dead. But the thing is, when you start speaking Jesus, you're going to stir up the dust. You ever been in a fight and... A family feud and everybody went to their rooms or whatever the thing is. I don't know. You might not have any dysfunction in any of your families. But if you do, you know that a, a normal phrase that we use is, well, let's just let the dust settle, right? Why? Because maybe when the sediment has reached the bottom again, we'll be okay with leaving it there. And we'll try to tiptoe around all the issues that we have so we don't stir anything up. I think God is saying to us today, young people, seniors, hear me, stir it up. Stir it up, but not in anger and not in a fleshly way. Stir it up by speaking the powerful truth of the word of God to people who need to hear it. Stir it up. Satan is going to get angry when you do this, and he does not want you to believe today that you can have victory over lust or anger or bitterness or pride or hatred, or racism, 
He doesn't want you to believe that you can have victory. But you individually and we as the church can have victory. We have it because our God is victorious. He took all satanic power. He marched it around in a parade. He nailed it to the cross. And when he came out of the grave, he sealed the deal for us. We have victory. So I will not settle for a life of defeat. Number three, I will not settle for lust. Though none go with me, the old song says, I still will follow. We're in a culture of lust. Our entire existence is surrounded by lust. If you've got a phone there today, you might be taking your notes on your phone or you might be um, scrolling through your phone mindlessly because you don't know who this guy is from North Carolina and you don't want to hear anything he has to say. That's fine. But hear me when I say this. Look up from your phone for a second. Hear me. Don't settle for lust because lust and the carnal mind, the Bible says, is enmity with God. The two cannot cohabitate. And I want to live for Jesus. I want to walk in freedom. I want to see lust fall. I want to see the porn industry go down. So why in the world, if I want to see these things, do I support it by scrolling through Instagram for 50 hours looking at bad things or for scrolling through the internet? Here's the deal. Nobody is better than you if you struggle with those things. Actually, most of the culture struggles with those things. I'm not saying you won't struggle with it. I bet you this. We will struggle with lust. Just of the flesh in general. Whatever it is. Eating too much. Sexual lust. Lust of the eyes. Lust of the flesh. Pride of life. Until the day that we die and go to see Jesus. But I'm not going to settle for it. And I'm not going to be okay with it. I'm not going to be okay with with my students posting pictures of themselves that, that show everything they have for the world to see. That's not okay. You know why it's not okay? Here's why it's not okay. Young ladies, I'm speaking to you. It is not okay to become an object when God has said you're a daughter. It is not okay, young men, to look at a woman like she's an object when the God of the universe formed that woman in her mother's womb and calls her valuable. And in fact, when you objectify anything, you take the image of God out of it and you use it for your own lust. So hear this, young people today. Don't settle for lust just because all the culture is okay with it. Stand up against it. It will shock the world when God's men and women stand up against lust. Do not settle for lust. Number four, I will not settle for dead religion. This is from verses 18 to 23. I don't want to walk around Jesus my whole life. I don't want to walk beside Jesus I don't want to be near Jesus. I don't want to actually taste the heavenly gift and and see his, his hope and his life right there across the river forever. I want to know him. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know the victory that I have when I walk in him. And here's the deal. If you're not going to settle for dead religion, we're going to have to stop going through the motions of something that someone did a long time ago. We're going to stop. We got to, we got to stop being okay with not knowing Jesus. And instead of walking around him or around his people, I want him to live in me and to walk with him. Do not settle today for dead religion. It is not wrong to go to church. It is not wrong to sing the same song that we've sang before. But when Jesus becomes monotony and when Jesus becomes something that I go experience or do rather than my Savior who lives in me, I might be slipping into dead religion. So, how do we fight dead religion? We got to stand up 
we've got to realize that this is not just a book, that we're not just talking about words, we're talking about God. And we've got to ask ourselves this question, God, how can I truly surrender all of my heart to you and be used by you in such a way that the earth around me is changed with the gospel? And then I got to take the first step. The first step out of dead religion is repentance. Step into forgiveness for doing it. Confess that sin, guys. I, I've struggled with it. I would say the opposite of dead religion is simply this. Loving and living in relationship with Christ. If you don't know Jesus today, you can get to know him. And church can become much more than a building that you go to. It can become who you are in Christ, the church. Number five, I will not settle for distraction. We are over-informed because of social media. We are over-formed because of media and news. We are completely inundated with information. And here's the thing about that. That's okay. It's okay to know things. But where in our minds have we left a place for focus on Christ? I will not settle for distraction. And this is what I mean by that. Tomorrow morning when I wake up, I don't want to wake up and mindlessly scroll. I caught myself having five hours of screen time on my iPhone recently. A week. A day, excuse me. Five hours a day? If you spent five hours a day praying, I guarantee you the earth would shake. I, I think hell's gates would fall off if the church would spend five hours a day praying. But instead, we're so distracted because there's so much to look at. Here's the thing. There will always be something that Satan has engineered for me to look at that's not Jesus. Because when God's people get focused and get on board with the mission, then God moves from heaven and he heals lands and he forgives sins, and he changes everything. How do we apply this to our lives? How do I stop being distracted? Because, I, I mean, I'm so letters. I got a lot of letters. You know, there's like, the, there's like the ADD, ADHD, ADLD. There's a lot of letters in our community and culture. So here's the deal. I'm a lot of those letters. So how do I break distraction in my life? We've got to wake up. Wake up and get up. Seriously, a lot of distraction, think about when you're the most distracted, when you're at home, right? Sitting down on your couch. Put the phone down and stand up and see what happens. You might go to the gym. That'd be good. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. You might go down the road to the coffee shop, meet somebody, have a gospel conversation, start to reach people. Get up. Guys, we've got to get off our tails, seniors. You're going to go to college and have a lot of time a lot of opportunity and a lot of places that you can go to do things that you were never allowed to do or you couldn't get away with before. And hear me when I say this, it'll get you. So get up and walk out. Stand against it. So we gotta get up. We gotta get focused. We gotta get moving. We gotta get involved. We gotta go get them. You might be thinking, who are them? Let me tell you who they are. We've gotta stop settling for distraction because we're here on this earth to go reach out to and get for Christ the broken, the abused, the unhappy, the lost, the hopeless, the rich, the poor, the lame, the weak, the strong, and everybody in between. Distraction causes us to stop seeing the mission and to start seeing everything else. And I heard a sermon from Brad Cooper one time that said this, 
Worship is finding value in something and pointing to it. What are you finding value in and pointing to? What is your life pointing to? And if it's not the cross of Jesus Christ, then we have got some heart work to do. And we've got to let God come back to our heart and say, and change things. And say things and move and make a difference and wreck us for the lost. I will not settle for distraction. Whatever you have to do. This is what I would say to you young people. Whatever it takes to set up safeguards in your life. To stop being distracted. And to stop settling for lust. And all the things we've talked about. Go there and set that up. Here's why. If we're not careful, and if we don't set up safeguards, and if in a moment of strength, like today, when you're sitting in your backyard with your, with your um, I don't know what it's called, connect group or, or small group, you might be thinking, I'm strong. I got this. I can do this. And in Jesus' name, absolutely, yes, you can. But the problem is when you're alone in the dark, in the secret place, the problem there is that you have access to things that are damaging your spiritual walk. And when you're weak, you'll fall. Unless you've set up a safeguard against that thing. So whatever it is for you, you know your one thing. You know your area of either distraction or lust or disobedience. Today is the day that that should end for you. And finally, I will not settle for less than all of the anointing that God has for me. Hear me, church. You are the resurrected saved, redeemed bride of Christ. You once were dead, but now you're in life. God has a plan for you and a mission and a purpose and a future and a hope for you. But somebody today is not walking in all the anointing that God has for them. You have walked all over it. And you have resisted the Holy Spirit because you're afraid today of what God could do if you gave him all of yourself. And my encouragement to you today is to let the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God fall on you and your family and walk in it and reckless abandon, run to Christ and say, I want it all, Jesus. If it's a gift, if it's a miracle, I want it all. And we live in a culture where there's so much theology and theolo- so many theologians are saying that our God doesn't do certain things anymore. And that's fine. I'm not hating on you if you believe uh, in the, anything like that. But this is what I am saying. I know who I have believed, and I am sure that he is able to complete what he started in me. And what he started in me was the seed of the gospel that rose up to life. And now I'm anointed by God based on his word, based on the Holy Spirit, to go and share this word and this hope with somebody else. Have you ever thought today that maybe the the reason Jesus came into your life and wrecked your heart for him? wasn't just for you. That this anointing that God has for you is not just for you to to feel good. In fact, an anointing, the Bible says he'll fill you to overflowing. It is for others. Your anointing and your specific gifting is for others. Whatever that looks like, whatever that is, God may be calling you out of complacency and out of settling for anything less than all of the anointing that God has for you. So I say, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Walk in the spirit, stand on the rock, fight fight the good fight for the faith, wage the good warfare. Take up the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And let's start to see hell shake when we step into the calling, into the anointing that God has for us and we fight this battle and we win it because Jesus already won it.
Someone said to me once, just remember that the next battle is the proof of victory. Because when you stop seeing battle, you might want to look at your heart. And here's the thing, battle's tough. But Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. And you know why the yoke of God is easy? It's very difficult. I, I know if you're a Christian, you're like, yeah, fellowship of his suffering. Suffering for Christ is very real. But the reason that we can overcome anything, even death itself in Christ is this. When we take up the yoke of Christ, you gotta think of oxen. When you take up this yoke with Christ, then you realize that he hasn't left you alone to do the work. In fact, he comes up beside you and he meets you there. He meets you in your obedient state to walk with you to victory and to carry you to victory. So today, do not settle for anything less than all of the anointing that God has for you. You're a pilgrim. You're on a journey. Don't get so comfortable here that you stop your journey. Don't be a settler. And the final application, I will, I will say this, and it, it, this is um, pretty serious, so let's really zone in right now. The one thing in my life that I don't want to see happen is this. It would crush me to see a generation of young people reject the God who wants to use them to radically change the entire world. I think of the children in Israel. They've just been in, you know, freed from slavery in Egypt. They've been enslaved in Egypt. And now God has done miracle after miracle, all the plagues, signs and wonders to release his people from the bondage of, of the Egyptians. And now they've crossed the Red Sea. They're singing a song. Moses sings a song. We've got this party going on. And the next thing you know, I'm thirsty. There's no water in the desert. They complain. And then you see them, God's threatening essentially to take away their inheritance because they're, and then Moses intercedes for them. And, and the next thing you know, they, they, they're walking through the wilderness and then God sends like little biscuits from heaven in the morning and, and quail by night. They're having good food and, and, you know, they get thirsty again. They curse God. Moses, break, you know, smacks the rock. Water comes out. Once again, we have God doing miracle after miracle for these people. But here's the scary part. They had seen all that God could do. They knew if God could deliver them from the Egyptians, he could do anything. But when they got to the river to cross it, to go into the promised land, God had promised this land to them. They sent 12 spies into that land. And 10 of those spies looked around at the giants, at the numbers at everything that the flesh and that the human logic and that human logic would tell you, this is an impossible task. We cannot do this. We cannot spend money on that. We do not have the funds for that. We don't, we're not able to go there because that is bigger, better, and badder than us. And here's the problem. Two, two of those guys came back and said, that is bigger. Those guys are taller and stronger and there's more of them than there are us. But our God, they said, our God is bigger. He's able. He's called us. They got all the way up to the promised land, but hear me when I say this. God was not pleased with the disobedience of his people. And the people said, we're not going in. And an entire generation of people had to die 
before God did what he promised he would do. The ball is in your court to some level. God will use the next generation. But why don't we pray? And why don't we ask him? And why don't we plead with him to use this generation to do what that generation wouldn't do? To walk to the promised land. He's promised that the gates of hell will shake and that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I will say this today. I am a part of the body of the redeemed and you are too if you're in Christ. So don't let the next generation pick up our slack. Let's pick it up. Let's take up the yoke. And so this is what our response, our final application today. There's there's several things I want to say. Number one, everybody in this place today Wherever you are, in your home, we've got to run to the cross for forgiveness. Make a beeline for the cross. And then we've got to pick it up. And then we've got to go to the world carrying the cross. And hear me, don't settle for putting your cross down to have a little fun along the way that doesn't last. Let's walk faithfully all the way to heaven. And do not settle for less. Do not settle for less. Father, I pray over these people today, wherever they are. God, if you're speaking to somebody and they've been settling for less, a senior maybe, a young person, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would be glorified in them as you lift the satanic bondage off of them right now and as they realize they've settled for less, they've missed the mark, and they've chosen sin. But today they're choosing you, and God, that they would repent and turn from sin and would walk faithfully and obediently back into your presence and would run, God, this race. If you don't know him today, the gospel message is simple. It says that you are saved by grace, which means you can't earn it, through faith, which means you believe it. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You cannot earn this grace. Jesus paid for it. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so today, why don't you confess him as Lord? Why don't you believe in your heart that Jesus is alive, that he's your redeemer and he wants to be your father and he wants to receive you with the spirit of adoption by which we can cry out, Abba, Father. God, I pray over anyone who's made a decision in this moment. It's time for a word, a word.